0: Hi, everybody. This is Chuck Sype, Assistant Superintendent of Roxbury Schools here with another episode of our podcast, which we have recently uh, decided on a name of. It's going to be called Schoolhouse Rocks I love a it. podcast. So this episode is focused on elementary literacy. I have some guests here with me today. I'm going to ask them to start with uh, introducing themselves, and then we're going to get right into some of our content for today. So let's... Uh, Everyone introduce yourself and share with our audience what you do in our school district.
1: Hi, I'm Alyssa Bellardino. I'm the pre-K to six humanities supervisor, and I get to work with teachers and students on all things literacy and social studies. I've been a teacher in the district for five years before I became a supervisor.
2: Hi, I'm Jean Rex. I'm a third grade teacher at Nixon Elementary,
3: and I've been in the district for five years. Hi everybody, I'm Leah Steiner. Um, I work as a literacy consultant for Jennifer Saravallo. Um, I joined the district this past summer Mm -hmm. um, to do professional learning with teachers around reading. Um, Prior to this, uh, I taught in elementary school classrooms for many years. Um, I worked in kindergarten inclusion classrooms. I was a second grade teacher. I then moved into administrative role where I was a middle school director Um, That was different. (laughs) And then um, I actually went back into the classroom after we had a family, and um, I taught kindergarten again, and that's actually where I met Jennifer. Um, I taught her daughter in my classroom, um, Mm -hmm. and she just became uh, an amazing mentor to me. So then I I joined her team a few years later.
0: So there you have it. We have a room full of literacy experts at the elementary level. And so we're going to start by getting into why this is our solution for elementary literacy. And by this, I mean everything you're going to hear in this episode of our podcast. And over the last, I'm going to say somewhere between 18 and 24 months, a lot of um, articles and language have evolved surrounding concerns as it pertains to the strategies utilized for implementing elementary reading instruction, particularly for school districts who are using primarily units of studies Um, published by Lucy Calkins and TC, which is a strategy, a pedagogical framework that we do use here in Roxbury. Um, But I am proud to announce as we begin this so that there's not a cause for alarm, um, part of what this podcast is really going to focus on is some of the strategies that have been being implemented for years now, even prior to concern being raised about some potential weaknesses of that program not to suggest the program itself is weak in terms of what it offers, but there's just other elements that need to be covered when we focus on youngsters and reading strategies, particularly as they learn to read at the earliest ages. So before we go too far into it, I'm going to invite Alyssa to share with us a little bit about some of the other two pieces. One, of course, is the main thing we're going to talk about with Leah today, but the other is phonics. All right, So let's just get that out of the way. How do we address phonics instruction, particularly for our earliest readers. And then we're going to move more into what we've been doing with Leah um, based on Jen Saravalo's work.
1: I think you brought up a great point. So when you think about phonics and where that fits in with our instruction, we do have 40 minutes for reading, writing, and phonics instruction or word work um, throughout every day. And that really deep work, and you talk about that phonics we are doing through K through four, we have Wilson foundations, we have teacher facilitators and training happening actually this year, in addition to um, for level three where our kiddos are getting that direct explicit instruction of phonics. But in addition to that, we also find that there is so much value in also um, during our workshop, having that small, those small groups and phonics does come into play again with that. So when you think of workshop and we talk about that framework, The idea is that you have that mini lesson, right, where you're teaching um, an important concept to the whole group. But what happens after that? And that's the really deep work where we then supplement through that high quality instruction with Jennifer Saravallo's work um, specific to reading strategies and writing strategies within the classroom. And her work does infuse phonics. It does infuse emergent reading and accuracy and fluency and all those um, skills that we know are so important for our youngest readers and to set that foundation for literacy work moving forward.
0: So Gene, what's that look like in your classroom? So Alyssa talked a little bit about the workshop model and if that's foreign to anyone who's listening, so maybe you could explain what that framework looks like in your classroom, um, particularly as it connects with individual students and how they learn, right? I remember... Um, being a young student myself, and some of the times, some of the experiences I had were not things that resonated with me as a learner. And I think that this framework uh, would have met my needs better, particularly some of my classmates as well. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like in a classroom setting as a person who's delivering instruction through that strategy every single day.
2: Well, I absolutely love the workshop model. Um, what I do is I have all of my students come to the carpet. We um, discuss a skill or a strategy Um, But first, I start with a connect. So I'm making sure that the students are connecting to whatever it is that I'm talking about. Um, I give a teaching point. um, So they're fully aware of what we will be discussing. From there, I model it. Um, We do active engagement, Um, again, based on a skill or a strategy. Um, I do a link. So it pulls the whole thing together. And then we do independent practice as well.
0: Okay. And so that's kind of that framework that we talked about with that unit of study Mm -hmm. pedagogical framework. Now, how do we enhance that and really make it resonate for students individually um, with a main focus on enjoyment, right? So we've really driven K to 12, although the focus of this conversation is elementary, on supporting youngsters with embracing the idea of becoming lifelong readers, learning the skills and applying them through selections that really are important to them. So we've mentioned Jennifer Solveig pardon me, Jennifer Saravallo a couple of times. So she has two books that we're using with our staff developer, Leah Steiner, who we're about to hear from, the reading and writing strategies. And we've really been focusing on reading strategies. So if you want to hear more about writing strategies at the very end, we'll give you a little plug for a future episode focused on writing. So Leah, talk to us about reading strategies. How have you been able to utilize that piece with our teachers in collaboration with Alyssa, to really enhance and drive powerful literacy instruction in our district?
3: Yeah, such an important question. And I think the way that Jean laid out the structure really sets us up for this work. So, right, what Jean was kind of referring to here is the skills and strategies that, all st- that the class needs, right? These are going to meet our class standards, but we know that the students in our class really come with varying strengths, with varying skills and abilities, and we really need to teach into individual students' needs. And like Jean said, this is the most important work. Um, so with that being said, we know from research that goal-based instruction, um, specifically the research of John Hattie, um, we know that when students are focusing on a specific goal for an extended period of time and they're really focused in that independent reading time isn't, um, the drop everything and read of our past, right? It's not this, what do they say, SSRI, right? right? It is very strategic, structured, independent reading time where students have important jobs to do and it's centered around their goals. Um, So through um, the work I did with Alyssa and teachers, we look very closely at assessment data. Um, We decide what goal would be best for our readers. Um, We use Jen's hierarchy of reading goals, um, a hierarchy of action, Um, to determine what would be a best goal, and then we look into the skill progressions to really help us think what strategies are going to support a reader moving forward. Um, That being said, we also really looked at different structures and methods for teaching, um, for conferring one-on-one with students, for pulling students in small groups, and really giving them effective feedback. So we thought about what does research say about effective feedback? And again, how do we support our readers to being independent, right? Because that's the goal.
0: So you mentioned something that, of course, is a love of mine, which is research-based practices, particularly as it pertains to feedback. And we do know, because one of the most consistent findings as it pertains to educational feedback is providing specific, timely, future-oriented feedback will help all learners grow at a rate that will improve their own trajectory. Right, And so I heard a lot in what you just described as well as what Gene and Alyssa talked about, Leah, about how our staff are leading these conversations, how you've been supporting staff in their skills and comfort level with feeling as though they are an expert to take that on their own. And I've been able to, I guess I should say fortunate, to really observe what that looks like because it's really neat. And I think back to my time as a teacher, and I wish I had opportunities like that because simultaneously we know that the best professional learning is ongoing and embedded. And I've seen you work hand-in-hand to hand, hand, in hand with teachers in the classroom while their colleagues are also watching. But one of the things I've noticed was the students' active engagement. So can, I don't know who wants to jump in here, but let's talk a little bit about the students' role. The teachers are monitoring, the teachers are helping set goals, the teachers are providing feedback, and they should, right? They're the experts, they need to drive instruction. But students are at the best Student growth occurs when students are active participants in their learning experience. So let's talk about what's that look like from the student standpoint? How are students inv- invested here?
3: Beautiful. Do you want me to take that one? <laughs> yeah. I'll go for it. Um, so the beautiful work that we do and what Jen's kind of helped craft is this idea of the goal-setting conference. And I think this is really where we started our work um, back in August, mm-hmm. um, where we know when students are able to name the goal themselves, know what they w- reflect on their own strengths and where they want the most support and help from their teachers. Um, through some guided inquiry, we asked students to name the goal themselves. Of course, teachers are the experts. They've looked at the assessments. Um, but through that, teachers are uh, stu- sorry. students are able to really identify what they want the most support with. Um, and then from there, that would be the work they're invested in. I also have open conversation with my
2: kiddos, mm-hmm. so I do um, based on assessments, and we do the TC teacher college running assessment, uh, running records, and we also, based on our training, um, started short text assessment, which gives us a lot more information as well. And based on all of our assessments and listening to um, our students read, my kiddos read um, there. That's where I. Come up with the goal as well, and I do have that open conversation with my students. I'll say, you know, what do you think of this goal? This is what I was thinking. What do you think? And just to really give them the ownership of the goal, and then based on that is where then we talk about the strategies. And I do do the goal cards with the visuals, and um, they absolutely love it.
3: Can you explain that a little bit more? Mm -hmm. The goal cards. Yeah, the goal cards. Yeah.
2: So each student Mm -hmm. has their own goal card, and on it, it says the goal that they're working on. And then we have the strategy, and the strategy is the post it Mm -hmm. um, that has the visual on it. And all of my students are able to say the goal they're working on, no matter who comes in the room. They could say, Well, I'm working on Mm -hmm. um, fluency, and my strategy is whatever it is scooping up, Mm -hmm. you know, scooping up words. And this is the work that I'm doing. And then also, based on the training that um, we've been receiving, which has been outstanding. Um, it's really shifted the way I speak to my students by saying, oh, what is the work you're working on? Like, what is the work we're doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Or I noticed as a reader, this is what you're doing versus I love how you, Mm -hmm. you know, talk about characters, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're like, great, you love it. You know, so it's really being more specific and it really gives all of them the ownership and they are so excited because we're all talking about the same same lingo Mm -hmm. and it's really cool to see. Yeah, I
3: think that's amazing. Um,
0: so, so hold on, I, I got to jump in. I can't pass up on this opportunity. So one of the main goals of this podcast is to really inform our community about the things that that are going on in our classrooms, little nuances mm-hmm. and programmatic structures that we put in place to really help drive learning forward. But one of the other pieces that is auxiliary to that is how do we support and equip our parents and our community with dialogue And language to so we can engage in purposeful discussion about learning when kids come home from school. Right. So how do we break away from the conversation that probably occurred in all of our houses? How was school? Fine. What'd you learn? Nothing. Right. Like (laughs) I was probably the participant in that plenty of times as a kid. But what I just heard you say, Gene, is here are some here's what I heard you say without saying it directly. Here are some things, parents, that you can say to your children if you really want to get a robust answer about reading. What is your reading goal? Mm -hmm. Can you describe that? Mm -hmm. Let's read a little bit together. So I just wanted to throw that in there. I know I cut you off, Alyssa. Um, And what is
2: your strategy? Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: and describe that to me. Mm -hmm. And as a parent or a guardian, your grandparent, whomever is having the conversation, you don't have to know the answer. The kids know the answers. And if they don't, we can help them. That's great information to send back to your teacher. Like, hey, I tried to engage my son in a conversation about his reading goal, and he was unclear. Perfect. I would love to get that information as a teacher. So... Just kind of a sidebar before we keep going is this is great information for a parent to have about how you can engage in a really productive conversation because students will start to embrace the love of learning when they realize it's not just a thing that happens at school from nine to three or whatever, right? It's something that I'm always engaged in as a person. So anyway, I just had to get that plug in there. Got it, Alyssa.
1: I think you brought up a great point when you talk about that reading life that we want students to be able to transfer those skills into any book they're they're reading, but also enjoy reading whether it's at school or at home, beyond in the car on the way to sports or whatever it may be. Um, but I want to just loop back really quickly, and I heard something when you when you said we Stud- holding students, um, having that ownership over their reading, right? And you mentioned that students have these goals. But what I've also seen that I want to make sure we make mention of too is the idea that we also infuse those student-led groups. And that, to me, is such powerful work because once students feel comfortable and confident in, this, in the strategies that we're teaching them, and as they work through the skill progression and they're just adding on and enhancing their own craft – we give students the opportunities to be able to share that with their peers and share that with other teachers as well. Um, I know when I've been into Jean's room, I will see like a sign up or in in other teachers room, I'll walk in and I'll see, oh, today we're talking about complex characters or the problems in the story. And, um, you know, maybe... Erica and Joe are the two students that feel really comfortable teaching that and they put their name up there and then students have the opportunity to sign up and say, oh, you know what? I think I need help with that. Um, And to see students take that ownership and that drive and the passion and they're like, oh, this is what we're going to do. And they could show it off in their own reading and their own work just like completely warms my heart. Like it's just so amazing to see them be so passionate about it. And, you know, you see all these future teachers um, in the making mm-hmm. sharing what is exciting to them. So I definitely wanted, wanted to point that out. Um, but I want to ask one question. I think that this goes to everyone is how does this work connect to writing, right? So we're focusing on reading for enjoyment. And how do we get our kiddos to also write for enjoyment? And what does that look like? along um, the lines of writing strategies? Yeah.
3: Um, So thinking about along the lines of everything that we've learned this year, the teachers kind of immerse themselves in over the course of the year, a lot of the same strategies and structures that really work for engaging our readers really work for writing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know next year we're really going to take the time and, and look at our writers and be able to look at assessments and strategies that support them. Um, but really just thinking about specifically around choice, right? The same way that the, to loop back to the idea of choice with workshop model, having students engaging in books of that interest, the same goes for writing, right? We know that our writers are going to be a lot more invested. They're going to write more if they're able to choose what they want to write about. Um, it values their own language practices. Um, there's just, there's so much to be said about motivation, um, that's tied to engagement, right? Because we know if we don't have engagement, we don't have... Anything else?
0: And I think Mm -hmm. it's also important to note, um, of the four of us, I think um, I'm amongst three experts, very talented educators pertaining to literacy instruction and writing. I just want to throw out there from the parent perspective, if if you're listening and you're thinking, I hear the word choice come up a lot. And um, it's important to note choice is valuable, right? It It helps really support students with embracing the work that we ask them to do because it's of high interest, right? It keeps them coming back. There are times, though, that there are on-demand tasks. You got to read this article. You have to write about this topic. So I just want to reinforce, there is a healthy balance there, though, of required readings and required writing opportunities that are balanced out with choice opportunities, right? We, we want to make sure we keep that balance as well. So it's important to note that both of those things are happening. The idea of a teacher assigning a common reading task or a common writing task is not gone you know, gotten thrown out the window. That's still a part of what we do. It's just balanced out really nicely with opportunities for students to drive based on high interest. All right, so we're almost at the end. Any uh, last thoughts? Maybe real quickly before we go, can we get like a foreshadowing about the PD? So we talked about ongoing and embedded. Leah works directly with teachers in classrooms while teachers are observing kind of a laboratory-style PD, Mm -hmm. which is Um, A new concept for me, because it's generally a bunch of teachers in a room engaging with a trainer, Um, but in this opportunity, the relationship we have with Leah is in a classroom, working with one group of youngsters while teachers observe, then teachers take it back to their classroom. Um, Let's talk real quickly about that in the future of this relationship, because I think that's one of the most powerful pieces of Mm -hmm. this format, is that we get to actually see it in action, right? It's one of the number one complaints from teachers everywhere, including eons ago when I was in the classroom was you talked at me for X number of minutes, never gave me an opportunity to actually do anything with it, right? It's kind of this ongoing concern relating to PD. Um, And so one of the things we've tried to shift here in the district is maintain ongoing relationships with the same experts so that the conversation dialogue are consistent. Leah's an example of that. So let's talk about that real quickly before we head out here.
3: Yeah. So um, I personally just love the way that we've structured our professional learning this year. Um, We do have the privilege of sitting together before we go into the classroom. We usually explore um, a purpose, a focus. Um, So for example, if we're looking at – today we're looking at pulling small groups. Um, So we looked at how do we look at our assessments? How do we determine that the students in that group really need to be there? How do we pull the right strategy? Um, Then we go right into the classroom. I'll model it. Sometimes I'll ask teachers to just go right ahead and try it. Um, We know we just got to roll up our sleeves and give it a go. Um, And then usually I'll ask teachers to kind of reflect and think about some of the things that I'm doing that really just confirm what they're already doing, right? Uh, So often that there's already just so much happening in the room. And then what feels new, right? What part of this process feels new or something that – or shift in thinking that you want to try? And then when teachers get to practice, I'd love to listen in, coach, give feedback, just the way we do with students. Um, I think
2: that's the best part because mm-hmm.
3: we're getting that training
2: like right on the spot. We're not back in our classrooms by ourselves. Like, wait, what did she say? How mm-hmm. does that
3: sound? So we have that, you know, right away. It's right. awesome. The way yeah. that we know mm-hmm. about what research says about good feedback is that it's right there in the moment. hmm mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And to add, you know, I'll just be walking through the halls in any building and they're like, hey, Alyssa, come in. I want to show you this compliment conference or I want to show you this assessment conference or what do you think about this? So that to me is really exciting because we're fortunate to have Leah here for 12 visits throughout the school year. Um, But then also in between, um, I have the pleasure of going into classrooms and continuing this work and doing some more coaching and checking in with teachers Um, see how confident they feel with the work that we've been doing. So we are so excited. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing. It's been the best year to see how passionate the teachers are, to see how excited the kids are about reading and writing. So I am overly excited to continue this work, the work that we're going to do over the summer, and then also roll into next year for writing. I also just wanted to add that
3: I'm so in awe of the teachers here, just their commitment to students, commitment to professional learning, um, I'm continually blown away.
0: I'm going to, we're ending on that. I, I agree. I could not agree more, but to have you share that with us is really special um, to me um, as someone who works with these folks every single day. I feel the same way. I think we're very fortunate to have an amazing group of teachers, but for you to share that perspective as someone who comes from outside of our school districts is really powerful. So thank you so much. So there you have it some, some dialogue about literacy instruction at the elementary living here in Roxbury. The book, again, is the Reading Strategies book 2.0. In fact, it's only been out uh, for about six weeks now. So if you're interested in taking a look at that, that is the book that we're referencing that we've been using for this training, written by Jen Saravallo. And we're going to continue with that work, but dive deep into writing. So we'll have a future episode focused on writing. Thanks a lot.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.